Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie Cron, for the prayer. On my behalf, I I used to speak more often than I have lately, and this uh, almost feels like a new a new thing I'm doing. Um, but I pray that when I get through with the lesson, that um, yeah, I have been a, a blessing to uh, to you, and that I've been an encouragement to you. Uh, first, I want to say um, uh, I I want to say something about Danny, but he's not here. But I just want you to know what a great leader we have in Danny. He's not only a great Bible teacher, but he's a great stand-up comedian. And uh, he, uh, he did an excellent job last night at the daughter-father banquet. And uh, he made one big mistake. He had announced, and I think that was on purpose, that Matt would be speaking today, and then he changed it. And I was like, don't change it. Then that way people will show up, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we did have a good time, and we do have um, we do have a lot of blessings here at the congregation. So good to see so many of you here today. Um, I want you to know that um, uh, in the last couple of years, it's been a struggle for me as a leader in the church here. I've seen people um, give up the faith. I've seen uh, people walk away from all the things that are good here that would be a help to their lives. And for me, I take it personal. I, 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 uh, I just, it's just, uh, I feel that as a leader here in the church, it's like losing my children. And also, I, um, I seem to have lost um, influence and um, persuasion with some people, maybe all. But I... Um, my mind constantly is upon the kingdom of Christ and upon the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. I look at everything through that lens. I want you to know, and I think that as Christians, we have to, and that's what the lesson's sort of going to be about today. I hope I can accomplish what I want to. I want to talk to you more than preach to you, okay? Let's just have a talk. You know, uh, I go back to Joshua, and I look at, look at something Joshua said. As he, as he neared the end of his life, in the, uh, Joshua chapter 24, I want to read you a few scriptures he said, Okay. Uh, beginning with verse 13, Joshua sort of has given a rundown 
Joshua has given a rundown of what God has done for his people to this point. And we know that Joshua took over for Moses, right? And Joshua, he has been uh, faithful to lead God's people. In verse 13, he said, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, talking about God, and cities which you did not build. You dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. He said, in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The interesting thing about here is that the people pledged that they would do that here. Oh yeah, that's what we're going to do. We will do that. They made a pledge and in verse 31, it says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, whom he had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So they remained faithful for this period of time. And the, the one thing that I want to call to your attention today is that we have a great problem in the church today. You can read about it in various uh, uh, papers or periodicals or among the brethren. And it's not just with us. It's with all churches in America. The one writer said that what Americans have done is they want God, but they don't want his church because they don't want to be, whether it's be inconvenienced or whether the uh, religion is so uh, available on TV and on the internet and all that they feel like that they don't have to come to a building. They don't have to meet with others to get what they need to get. Uh, one fella wrote a book in which he suggested that I, he said, you quit, quit church. In which I think, I know what he meant and I, I read some about what he meant. He didn't mean quit coming to the services. He said, but that's probably what a lot of people are doing. They're going to the services. They're going to church. But Jesus said, the kingdom of the church is within you. So we need to understand that sometimes over the years, we maybe have given our families, our children, we've given them the idea of go in, 
spend a little time, go back home and go about our, our earthly doings. And so that's what, sort of what we want to talk about today is uh, how, uh, you know, how, how much are we contributing to this problem or how much are we doing to keep this from happening? I want you to know that I, at my age, I've seen Fountainhead over the years. And I've seen it go from a large congregation to a small congregation to a large congregation. And it's, it's, it's a cycle that doesn't need to happen. Will the church at Fountainhead, we're going to talk about Fountainhead because that's where we're coming. Will the church at Fountainhead survive over the next generation or two? Will the church of the Lord in America survive over the next generation or two? And uh, we know that down through the time of God's people, they dwindled down to a remnant, very few, but they were still there. Uh, over in Isaiah chapter one, in which Eddie read from, <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah writing, he said some things along this line. You see, Israel had not always been faithful to God. And it seemed like when we studied Doug through the Old Testament that they constantly were going away from God. Man did not for very long stay faithful to God in, in large numbers. So uh, Isaiah said uh, when he started verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken, and I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. He said, and the donkey, uh, and the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel, and they have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You shall revolt more and more, and the whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. And he goes on and on and talks about this. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. He said, if it hadn't been for me, God said, keeping a remnant, you'd be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were destroyed. We know that. Hear the word of the Lord. Give your rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He's even calling them that, you see. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings. I, that's what they're supposed to do. Why would he say that? I've had enough of burnt offerings. 
He said, for what purpose are they? And the fat of the fed cattle, I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? He's painting a very bad picture of Israel. I'm not insinuating at all that we are this, this way at Fountainhead. I'm not. The world over with the many congregations, we, we may be somewhat this way. Bring more futile sacrifices, he said. Incense is abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the sacrifice meetings of your moons and your appointed feast. My soul hates that you are... That, they are a trouble to me. I am wary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. You know, um, and I think about this before us. And, and the, the, the question comes to us, you know, uh, where are we in something like this? This is the way the, the Israelite nation was. We're the spiritual nation of God. Where are we there? Well, you know, and where I got the title of my lesson, he said, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cleanse to do to cleanse or cease to do evil and learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And though they're like red, like crimson, they shall be as wool. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And, and that's where I want us to talk today of where are we? What, is, what do you understand is your reasonable sacrifice to God or your reasonable service to God? Now, immediately we go to attendance because that's how we gauge more than anything how people are progressing in their life for God, we go to attendance. Uh, but you know what God said, and this is what we have to think about today. When we come here, if we come here, if we come here, now you know what the scripture says, it's been taught to us many times about not forsaking the assembly, right? But if we come here, how does God hear now we're talking, okay? How does God see our prayers and the things that we do? When we take the Lord's Supper, are we paying attention? Do we understand what it's about? Does it mean something to us? The church that will survive is the church that will take seriously their worship to God. The church that will survive will take seriously what God has said in his word and not see, they don't see 
how much they can get by with, but how little they can do to offend God. That, that's the way it is. You know, he said, he said back there, uh, Isaiah said, well, the animals, they know their owners. Do you know your owner? Do, do I know my owner? When I live my daily life, do I think about the effect that I'm having upon the kingdom of Christ and upon my family, upon my children? I know what my dog will do. I do. He's waiting at the door every morning for a treat. And I give him a treat and I walk over to my father-in-law's house. He'll follow me so far. I know he'll follow me to the shade. Then he gets in the shade and I go over there and I look out when I'm coming out of the house. I look over and he's waiting for me. I know my dog. Does God, what does God see us when he looks and do we understand who our owner is? I think my dog understands that the one that's going to give him the treat is me or some of the family. So he's waiting. He knows us. Or he would run up to Jeff and Jennifer's, you know, to get his treat. But hopefully they won't start feeding him, so he won't go there. But he said, well, you know, even animals know. So when we reason about things with God, how are we viewing this? Um, I thought I was very struck by what God said. I'm tired. I'm tired of you coming and sitting on the pew and singing the songs and going through your motions. No, he didn't say that, but he could have say, he could say that to us today. Couldn't he? I'm, I'm tired of you doing that. I want some real, real deep devotion to me. I don't want you getting up on Sunday morning and saying, you know what? Uh, I don't think I'll go today. I don't think God is wanting his people to decide day by day if they want to do his will. Do you? Isn't that reasonable? Isn't it reasonable? Let's just go back over some things God done for us. Has he done anything for us? You know, I'm amazed every day that I live what a wonderful family I have. I do. I have a wonderful family. My wife is a good woman. She's been a great mother for the children. They're all followers of God as far as I know. And uh, we're, 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 we're working to get our grandchildren in that mode too. But that's beside that. We have everything we want. I mean... I really don't want to be wealthy because I'm not really good at doing a lot of different things. Wealthy people can do a lot of different things, you know. I can't. It's like the money's there. Okay, I'll go buy some clothes. Okay, the next day I'll go buy. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to reason with us to say, uh, look at all that God has done for us. What, what would keep us? from being devoted to him. I, I, when I look back and read about the leaders of the Old Testament, I mean, you know, think about some of the things that they did. 
because they were fearful. David praised God so much. And do I praise God that much? Um, another thing I think we need to do, think about, is which he mentioned to them, are we holding on to the gods before we obeyed the gospel? And you're saying, well, what do you, what do you mean? You're gods. Well, I'll tell you, I don't, I've been around a lot of people in my life which I know what their God is. I know if their God is the God of the Bible, the God of heaven, it's very evident, very evident. But if their God is, I, I run into a guy down here in Galton not long ago. And he told me everything about himself and I didn't even ask for it. He told me, I couldn't believe how successful he was. He never once told me about God, but he travels the world and he does all this stuff. And I thought, I thought to myself, I wasn't in, the, I wasn't in a position to talk with him much. He was doing all the talking, but I'm thinking, where's your God? What is your God? Now, we may not think it, but I've had some gods in my past that I wanted, that I, I really would have a hard time, you know, um, getting rid of, or I really wanted to make sure I got that done before I went to the services or something like that. I tell uh, people, you know, I, I used to keep my yard really well mowed. And uh, I'm not as particular as I used to be because I told Shirley, I said, who knows? In 50 years from now, there may be a Walmart sitting right here and nobody will ever know I kept that yard so pretty, will they? I'm not saying it's not wrong. I'm saying where, where does our devotion lie? And that's the thing I think we need to reason out in our lives. Let's, let's read, you know, um, well, before we do that, I want to I do one more thing. You know, Joshua 24, 19 says, God is a jealous God. What does he mean by that? God is a jealous God. I think he means this. I think he means that look, after all I've done for you and you're giving allegiance to somebody and something else and uh, well, what's the deal? If after all I did for my children, they never came about me or just occasionally they'd show up. You know what? I'd be jealous when I found out they went and spent all their time over somebody else's house or, or doing down here in, entertaining their self or something. I'd be like, hey, what about me? What about me? You see, don't tell me you're not, it doesn't hurt you just a little bit when you think your, your family ought to do something towards you and they don't do it. But God is a jealous God. So when we do not do God's will in our lives, 
after all that he'd done for us. We sang that song before we got up here about he made us from dust. He just made us, didn't he, David? He just, there we are. We are there. And then we, we don't want to know what God said and we don't want to do what he says. Huh. Well, we just need to be reasonable and logical about things. I know there are people that sometimes, you know, have to be away from the church for some reason or other. I don't mean on a long-term basis. Just occasionally it happens. But I want us to read and, and look at the Bible, this Bible scripture uh, in uh, uh, Hebrews 10. And we always go to that. I know we always go to that. But listen, that's a very important scripture. Very important scripture. Because it says a lot more than we uh, sometimes say. If you start with verse 19, then you won't be so hurt when you get to 25 and think, oh my, we got to do that. He said, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He died. He, he means by that, you know, he went through suffering. He died. And having a high priest over the house of God, which is Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart. A true heart. You remember over... He said, uh, Joshua said, if you serve with sincerity, serve with sincerity. Let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And he's talking about baptism. But he goes on and said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful without wavering. You know, um, we probably should go over these scriptures before people are baptized because so many people, we have been so eager to baptize them till sometimes they don't understand their commitment they're making to God. But he said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering and he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, now, how many of you have gone to sleep already? Because you've heard the scripture before. Hmm. Well, he says a lot in those verses. And he says this, it is to provoke us to stir us up to love and good works. I don't know how to accomplish that in anybody else's life, but I know how to in my life. 
I know that I need to understand what it did. Okay, what does this do? That's what they're saying. People are not coming to the assembly anymore. Well, could they not be getting this here if they're not coming to the assembly? God knew that we could not live alone. What's, what's the old saying? Man is not an island. He just can't live alone. I think they do have a picture of a guy that's living in the Amazon. He's the last one of his tribe because they've killed all the others off, but he won't come out to... And you know what the, 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 the article said? What a lonely guy he must be. I don't know, but anyway. For if we sin willfully, verse 26, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there, there remaineth a no more sacrifice for sin. And what that means, which I'm sure most of you know, Jesus is not going to die again. He died once and for all for us. What is it going to take for him for him to do to convince us that he loves us and that he's, what he does for us is good and even what he requires. Now you're saying, well, Jesus didn't say this. No, he didn't, but I'll tell you what he did say before he went away. He said to his 12, he said, teach them all things that I've taught you. Teach them those things I've taught you. And I believe they're teaching them, teaching us the things he taught him. <coughs> He taught them this because Jesus knew we would not make it by ourselves. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for a church to be alone. We've got to get together. I'll tell you what, I've got to say, we got one of the finest groups of people in the world here. I believe that. I would, I'd like for you to tweak some things in your life as a leader of the congregation. I'd like for you to tweak some things in your life. One of the things I'd like for you to do is be committed totally, mind, soul, and body to the kingdom of Christ. That's the only way that, you, that the church is going to remain faithful and strong. And I want to tell you something else. I believe as I look down through time, I'm thinking about where are my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, where are the Christians going to be for them to worship with in spirit and in truth? If I don't, do you see what I'm saying? Let's reason this out. It's not just today. If you think all of it's just today, you got, you're short-sighted, right, Bethany? You're short-sighted. It's got to be looking down time if God allows it. You know, there's some families here that's four or five generations. Isn't that, the, isn't that wonderful? But we need more of them. We need more of them. Okay. And we need to be committed. Okay. So why do we come together? You know, we've, we've got to be involved in church. There is no way. Let me tell you, you are not going to convince your family that the church is the most precious institution if you're not involved. And I mean more than sitting on the pew. That last night was good for us. I know everybody didn't, wasn't able to come, 
Not everybody has a daughter. Not every father has a daughter. They might have some sons. But it was good for us. I saw fathers there that I didn't know, I didn't know if they'd come or not, and then they did. But I'm just saying it's good for us for the church to be together. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Okay? One other thing I want to bring up, a little separate and apart, but I think it has something to do, and I've been concerned about it as a leader of the church. And I know my time's getting away and I've got to shut up. But Matt goes over, so... <laughs> <clears throat> One of the things that I've been concerned about is the way we dress. Now, I, I've got to say this, and I'm not being biased, but I don't see many of our men dressing inappropriate. But I do see a lot of our Christian women dressing inappropriate. You wear too little down here and too, too little up here. But, but I want to tell you something. You know, there's, there's more. I want, I want you to, to re, I want to reason with you. Did God put coats of skin on Adam and Eve because they were well clothed? Did he? No, they weren't. They had aprons of fig leaves they had sewed together, but God put clothes on them. And another thing is in 1 Timothy 3.15, now ladies, if you want to be godly, it says, dress as ladies professing godliness. Now, I'm going to tell you, and this is, you can say this is my opinion or whatever, but now you would not go before the Lord in some of those short shorts that you're wearing. Now you would not. And if you knew the Lord's coming to your house, you wouldn't put them on. Now, I'm telling you, I'm just being plain. But that's the way it is. And if our brethren, brothers and sisters, don't start, quit living like the world and start living like the Lord wants us to live, we will be no influence on the world. That's just the way it is. Train up a child in the way it should go, and when it is old, it will not depart. Start taking inventory of our lives. That's what I'm wanting us to do. When you come in here, are you excited about coming and does it mean something in your life for God? Or are you just kind of checking the box? Well, I went and I'll tell you something. I do know that Sunday night and Wednesday night's not talked about in the Bible, but most of the time people that really want to live for the Lord show up. And another thing, I'm going to shut up then. You wouldn't let your kids miss school, but you won't bring them to Bible class. Now, unless you're teaching them Bible at home and you're doing a good job, then you ought to be ashamed not to bring them to the Bible class. I suspect the elders of the past understood maybe already way back. I think, I think what happened way back there, people loved to study the Bible and they just get together. Do y'all remember when we had Bible classes on Sunday night before the services? Yeah. We did. Rosalie and Sarah Alice taught them, didn't they, Charlie? Maybe others, but they studied the Bible every time we come. We studied the Bible. Now we quit that and quit, quit. But I'm telling you, 
Now, parents, come on, be reasonable. If it's important to give them that education where they're going to make money, it's important to give them that education where it'll get them to heaven, right? And if you're not doing a real, 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 real big job on that, you better get them here because they need to know about the Word of God. Well, okay, I'll be quiet. I just hope uh, we can reason a little bit. Our elders and our deacons need to really be serious about serving God. Sometimes we get lax too. We shouldn't. And uh, so if you need to obey the gospel, if you need to be baptized into Christ, because that's why we talked about that even in, in Hebrews, washed with pure water, washed with the water. If you want to come in contact with the blood of Jesus, you've got to come in, you got to come in contact with his death somehow. And baptism is a reenactment of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's just reason about it. That's what it is. People tell you it's not important. Let me tell you what. Is that true? It's not important when it is a reenactment of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and he took the pain away. You don't have to be hung on the cross, but you do have to go through that, okay? If you need the prayers of the church, would you come as we stand and sing? <laughs>